Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on today's podcast, I wanted to go back and talk about two of my previous podcasts and maybe expand on some of the topics that I talked about a little bit. So the first one I want to talk about is back in podcast 123, where I was talking about how you could save on your Walt Disney World vacation. And I talked about how my wife had come up with this plan to use uh, coupons and discounts to be able to get gift cards at a discount. And it's a great way to save, and I think it really is working out well for us. But I said in the statement that I made something about there's really no way to save on a Walt Disney World vacation. And I would like to kind of expand on that point a little bit. And here's why. You see, Disney has some set prices they have for things. They have a set ticket price. They have a set meal price. And they have a set hotel price that they like to charge. So they have like the rack rate for hotels. Now, occasionally, you'll see a discount on some of those, especially on the hotels. The hotels are often discounted based on occupancy and other factors, and once in a while, they'll offer a promo code to get people to stay in the hotels. Certainly, Florida residents get a discount periodically. And also, on that note, you see that sometimes there'll be different promotional offers they'll be making through various outlets, like, say, the Disney Visa card or through some promotional codes that they're sending out, or perhaps even through some uh, other discounts that they offer through travel agencies. So that's certainly one way you can save. The other way is through this bundling uh, effort that you can get. So if you were to purchase each one of those three things, tickets, room, and dining plans separately, they would cost you X dollars, whatever that might be. By bundling them together, you can actually save on a Walt Disney World vacation. Now, where the value lies is a little bit debatable sometimes, and I thought it was interesting when I uh, was looking for a little bit of information to kind of help fill in the, fill in the blanks here a little bit. Um, I was reading the uh, Disney Food Blog's guide to deciding whether the Disney dining plan was right for you or not. And the answer is you have the ability to prepay, which actually can save you a little bit of money and at least allow you to save the money to be able to spend for your dining before you get there. You have some flexibility to use your dining plan however you'd like to use it, whether you want to use multiples in the same day. Some people in your party use it at a counter service and some use it for a sit-down meal. Some people don't use it at all for that day. You bundle them and use a couple of them the next day if you need two uh, sit-down dining plans uh, for a particular restaurant. You can certainly use those that way. And those are all very positive things, but they also point out that there are some strict requirements on how they be used. Um, if you're buying a vacation package as a group, everyone in the room has to be purchasing that package. So that kind of limits you a little bit. And uh, if you, there's two different dining plans that they offer. There's the standard plan and the deluxe plan. And the standard plan offers fewer features, like you have to get the dessert and you can't get an appetizer. So it kind of limits some of the options that you have. And then the bigger problem is the unused credits go to waste. So if you don't use them during your vacation for some reason, you can't use them later. So it's important to kind of keep all of those things in mind. Yes, you can get a better price point on your Disney vacation if you put these things together or look for package deals 
or use the plans that, as they offer them, as Disney offers discounts, you can certainly save on your Disney vacation. So I just wanted to clear that up because I don't think I talked about that in enough detail. I kind of just left it open, and I did get a couple of emails and uh, people chatting with me about that because I think I left it a little bit vague. You can actually get a discount if you kind of plan it up properly. Of course, check with your Disney travel agent. An authorized Disney travel agent can help you to save money uh, and it could be a sizable amount. It could be a significant chunk if you talk to them about what you want to do and you're a little bit flexible in terms of the things that you'd like to uh, have on your plan and what dates you might travel. And that reminds me, you might want to check out Destinations in Florida. There are links on my show notes page over at DisneyWorldPodcast.net and, of course, over at DisneyPodcast.net. And please feel free to contact someone there and tell them Dave sent you, and they'd be happy to work up a quote for you. And as we've talked about on previous podcasts, it doesn't you don't have to purchase from them. You can just go ahead and get a quote and start to work with them from there. So there's really nothing to, uh, to tie you to it if you decide that you don't want to do that. So there are ways to save, and I didn't want to give the wrong impression, and I did want to come back to that and talk about it a little bit. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, my magic. Now, back in podcast 124, the next one after that podcast, I talked a little bit about the uh, my magic, and I said I wasn't sure what to expect, and I really didn't know what, I, what they were going to do with it, and I'm really kind of a little surprised at Disney trying to differentiate service between people who are spending more and people who are spending less. And I'm a little concerned about that. Now, I got a lot of feedback about this. I saw a number of different people contacting me um, saying that they weren't sure what, you know, what to expect either. I had some people who said, yeah, this is really you know, something that I'm afraid of too, that perhaps uh, I won't get the level of service that I'm used to. I don't like to have to plan and Uber plan my, my uh, park visits and so forth. And I had some people say, hey, get over it. It's just, you know, a change in philosophy. It's really not that big a deal. And then there were the people in the middle who said, let's just take a wait-and-see approach of what's going to happen. So it's all kind of interesting and coming together in some way. Now, there are a couple of uh, new pieces of information we've learned. One of the first ones was that um, there was something that happened. Uh, Representative Ed Markey from Massachusetts uh, sent a letter to Disney CEO Bob Iger uh, asking questions about Disney's new magic bands and their use, particularly regarding children and privacy. See, the problem is that these magic bands, you put them on and you go around and you can tell where everybody is in the park and you have the ab ability to get into different things, uh, you know, park admission and so forth, and you have your fast passes stored on there. Now, Disney has an, uh, everyone has the charging privileges automatically on their, on their wristband. Uh, children under the age of 18 can opt out of it, and there's some rules around that. I can't remember what the exact rules were, but something like children under 18 can opt out or the parents can opt out for them, but everyone gets it on there by default. Now, there's some privacy concerns because you have this ability to charge just by swiping. Now, they are going to ask you to put a pin in when you walk up to the kiosk and you want to actually do the charging. Now, I can tell you from my own experience, I work in the financial services business, and we've looked at this a couple of times. If you have a piece of plastic in your hands with a, something you have to swipe and it's got a card number on it, and then you have to sign for it, that's no more or less safe than something that's got four digits that you have to type into a keypad that's your own code to go along with that, uh, that actual RFID tag on there. And I know some people had questions about whether there was going to be a privacy thing going on there where somebody could steal your credit information or charge to your room, essentially. And the answer, the short answer is, well, it would take a lot of work um, for someone to do that, given the fact that they put this pin code around it. But anyway, the, the thing that I was interested in was the fact that the, these, this uh, representative was looking at the privacy, especially when it came to children. 
it's just an interesting thing with this new piece of technology and the, the way it's kind of developing. And I think there are more questions than there are answers at this point. And I think Disney has a long way to go to make this really viable as a, as a piece of technology. And something else interesting I was reading was uh, from Al Lutz over at Dumice Chat. He was saying the elephant in the room on all of these long-range plans is the next-gen program publicly marketed as My Magic Plus. It's had a rocky start in Florida with both hardware and software problems cropping up in the parks in the first few weeks and a surprising dust-up in the press between Bob Iger and Congressman Ed Markey over allegations of inappropriate use of children's information with RFID-enabled wristbands that are the backbone of My Magic Plus. Apparently, Iger forgot what happened with Disney's America project when Eisner snipped back in a similar tone. Disney has now budgeted more for My Magic Plus than they spent on fixing the Disney California adventure over the last five years. So the stakes are very high with Disney. What could derail the expansion plans on both coasts is My Magic Plus falling flat on its face with customers when it finally goes live this spring. There are still dozens of questions and pitfalls, all issues that frontline cast members and management identified as weak links in the system right off the bat. The problem with My Magic Plus is that it was dreamed up by Burbank executives who have absolutely no experience working in a theme park and who have shown very little interest in getting out in the field and learning the business even after they were assigned to the program that would make, remake it. The Achilles heel to any new park in initiative is the frontline troops in the operational departments who will be working with the program and trying to sell it to the customers. So far, very little input has been sought from the frontline cast members. And to make matters worse, the public explanations of the program had been overly vague. For every answer offered to customers about My Magic Plus, there is a dozen cast member questions still unanswered. That terrible precedent will spell doom for the project if they don't change that before trying to roll it out in Anaheim with the very different crowd demographics here. Very few cast members at Walt Disney World understand what My Magic Plus is, how it will make their jobs easier, or why that benefits the customers in the long run. If anything, My Magic Plus' rocky debut last month has made the system highly suspect with Walt Disney World cast members, and the Anaheim cast members are watching closely to see how badly this goes for them in the spring. And uh, Al goes on to talk about how if they try to flog My Magic Plus to the fans in D23 and fail to mention any new theme park expansion in Anaheim and Orlando, you know things are bad on both coasts, that most of the billion-dollar next-gen budget was wasted. So I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective on the, on the whole process. And it kind of made me curious about what the plan is exactly and where Disney is going with it. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, and I don't know that Disney really knows exactly what they're trying to do. And that's okay. They cannot know what they're trying to do exactly as long as they have a vision. And I'd like to talk about that for a minute here. The vision I thought was really interesting. I look at it like, you know, you have a new demographic that's out there. You had people who came into the theme parks back when, let's say, the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World opened in 1971. And that demographic included people who were maybe the, in the hippie generation, people who were in the older generation who had younger kids who weren't quite hippies, and everyone in between. And you had older people who lived through World War II, and they had different expectations. And I thought Disney did a masterful job of kind of managing all of their expectations and bringing them in and bringing them together and having a good time in, in the theme park. And times have changed. Into the 1980s and then into the 1990s, everything changed. Uh, the demographics of people changed as the older generation uh, moved on and passed on. And you got the, the parents of the children that were going in in the 1970s now are the aging generation. And now you have a younger generation that's in this millennial generation that really wants technology. They really want something interesting. And Disney's got a really clever idea to capitalize on it. 
by making a My Magic mobile app so people can look at real-time information on their smartphones and on their tablets as they're walking through the parks. It intrigued me a lot. I, I to, I've told you before, I have a um, Hidden Mickeys app that I created, and I created one for the iPhone and iPad, and I was amazed at how many more iPad versions of it I've sold than iPhone versions of it. And that really intrigued me because I didn't think that was going to be the case. I didn't think about people carrying around their iPads into the parks. But then I was at the parks, and I was watching people carrying around their iPads, and I was just astounded. I didn't think about that because I would never think about carrying a device that large with me as I went into the parks. Nothing wrong with that, of course. I think it's tremendous that they've done it, but that people are doing it. But I just think it's really interesting that that's the way it's developed. So you're kind of banking on the fact that you've got a different generation, a different class of people that are coming into the parks, and you're trying to make sure that they have the spend and they do the things that maybe makes the uh, park experience better. Now, here's something interesting. I found another article about the uh, My Magic app that I thought was really interesting, and it's from the Orlando Sentinel, and I'd like to just read parts of it for you. Packaged under the name MyMagic Plus, the project includes a new website, a new mobile phone app, a revamped ride reservation system, and wristbands equipped with wireless transmitters that will serve as all-in-one theme park tickets, hotel room keys, and credit cards. The goal is to make an increasingly congested Walt Disney World, whose four theme parks drew more than 7 million visitors last year, less intimidating and more pleasant to navigate for travelers. But it's also designed to allow Disney to call vast amounts of new information from its guests, from individual spending habits to crowd movements in its parks, in the hopes for better tailoring every everything from uh, sales pitches to operating hours. And there's the key. It's a marketing bonanza, said Duncan Dixon, a professor of University of Central Florida's Rosen College of Hospitality Management. It opens up so much rich information and gives the marketing groups the ability to target markets specifically to the guest. Now, rumors have been swirling about Disney's technology for years. The Orlando Sentinel first reported on the next gen back in January 2010 that wasn't formally announced until 2011. Disney said that... Uh, it includes three central elements, the My Disney Experience, which will be a one-stop hop for planning your Disney vacation. In addition to details such as hotel room availability, travels will be, travelers will be encouraged to provide personal details ranging from their favorite characters to celebrations such as birthday. A revamped version of the existing FastPass ride reservation system, dubbed FastPass Plus, in which travelers will be permitted to reserve a limited number of attraction times from home. In addition to rides, uh, ride options will be included uh, re reserved seating for nightly fireworks displays and other shows, even specific character greeting times. For travelers uncertain about how to plan, Disney said it will recommend a prepackaged set of three FastPass Plus reservations to serve as a starting point. And then radio frequency identification equipped wristbands known as magic bands that will replace the paper ticket and can be used to enter the parks and hotel rooms and buy food and souvenirs throughout the resort. The RFID wristbands will also interact with other sensors in Disney parks, allowing characters uh, to greet guests by name and verifying the guests' Fast Pass Plus return times. Disney said the magic bands will initially be available to certain guests staying in Disney-owned hotels or to those who purchase other unspecified products, a move that Disney hopes will help build, rebuild hotel occupancy rates that dipped to 78% during Disney's fiscal fourth quarter in 2012. Dixon said he expects the wristbands to help drive bookings, uh, particularly for Disney's mid-tier hotels, which he said have not fared well in recent years as Disney's top and bottom end hotels. But Dix Dixon also said that Disney will have to articulate a strategy for how the new planning tools help annual pass holders, who are some of the company's most loyal customers and who, who may not benefit from advanced reservations as much as travelers planning vacations six months ahead. Other experts said they expect the systems to spur visitors' spending in other ways. Disney, for instance, plans to sell items uh, allowing visitors to customize the magic bands. 
People are willing to pay quite a bit for convenience, said John Gurner, an amusement park industry consultant. Disney said it expects to adjust next-gen systems as more travelers use it and the company gathers more data. It also said it will roll out additional features later. A number of elements of the project, including keyless hotel room doors and interactive ride queues, have already been installed throughout the parks. A spokesman said Disney will begin rolling out the components of My Magic Plus over the next few months, but not everything will debut at the same time. Now, one thing Disney has done is over the past few years, they've devoted considerable time and resources to create more immersive, more seamless, and more personal experiences for each and every guest who spends time with us, said Tom Staggs, the chairman of Disney's global theme park division. The collection of tools is another step forward in the ongoing evolution of our guest experiences, giving us even more ways to help friends and family create unforgettable Disney memories that they want most. And I think that's one of the um, one of the key points here is you know the way that they talk about it. You know, they want to make sure that everyone has the great experience. You know, they go on and they have some fun. If you've seen the ads recently on TV, you kind of look at it and you go, it's it's almost. It's almost funny the way they talk about things. You know, you have to have this Disney vacation. It's what you really want, isn't it? Come on, come back and visit us. And it's almost a plea to get people back and make you feel like, you know, we need to have more family time and need to have more togetherness. And I get that, but I'm not sure that that's the right aim. I Personally, that's just my personal belief on it as a uh, person who lives in Florida and goes there on a regular basis. I, you know, I feel like sometimes that's just a pull to get people to come there. One other article I wanted to read for you was about... Uh, from Salon.com, that Disney is spying on you. Um, And so the story goes, are you planning to visit Disneyland anytime soon? If so, watch out when you're offered the latest marketing innovation, the Magic Band. When it's introduced later this year, the oh-so-cuddly wristband will be embedded with a radio frequency ID microchip to be part of a system dubbed MyMagic Plus. It will enable the company to monitor, track, and analyze your every activity. A recent New York Times expose reveals how the giant entertainment conglomerate plans to employ some of the latest spy tech Technologies to customize its operations. According to the Times, did you buy a balloon? What attractions did you ride and when? Did you shake Goofy's hand but snub Snow White? If you fully use My Magic Plus, databases will be watching, allowing Disney to refine its offerings and customize its marketing messages. Sound innocent? Disney's plan to implement customer tracking is just the latest revelation about an expanding program of personal surveillance enveloping ever greater aspects of personal life online and in the physical world. Sadly, most Americans do not know the true scope of tracking and surveillance now taking place. Four simple questions need to be addressed. One, what's happening to all the personal data being captured? Two, how long is it being retained? Three, to what extent is it being sold to third-party commercial vendors? And four, is your private data being provided to the government law enforcement authorities. Next time you're walking around a department store, keep in mind that you're being monitored. It goes on and uh, details a lot of the different uh, tracking that goes on in the retail outlets, and I encourage you to read the article. I'll put a link to it in my show notes. But the tracking and profiling taking place in retail outlets is just one aspect of a widening digital communications web that's increasingly ensnaring ordinary, ordinary Americans. The web consists of both government entities, federal and local, and private corporations like retail and online and telecom that track, monitor, and surveil everyone using interconnected digital media. media. Most troubling, they are sharing information, that is, the data they collect. Plan to visit Disney World? You'll be tracked. Pay with a credit card at your local grocery store? You'll be tracked. So that's my take on the uh, whole My Magic. And something interesting that I wanted to point out, I had said previously that I wasn't sure what the benefit of being an Uber planner and planning up all your fast passes and everything might be. Now that I've looked at the website and and the mobile site, I have a slightly different view on it. Because I think about it this way. 
if I'm planning up my vacation months in advance and I'm saying, hey, I'm going to go to the Magic Kingdom this day and I'm going to go to the Epcot this day and I'm going to go to the Animal Kingdom this day and whichever, and I'm planning up a few fast passes for that, there's nothing unreasonable about that. And if I get there and I change my mind, I miss my fast pass time. I can't get to that park. I decide to go to a different park. I can log into the website in real time and make changes, make adjustments to it. So there is something that's kind of the, the turnaround on that, that kind of turned my opinion about it slightly. Now, I'm still not sold on the whole technology and everything that's there, but I think it is very clever. And with some tweaks, I think this could be a tremendously powerful thing. Uh, you know, if you make it so that everyone can take advantage of it and there's some opportunities to really make it shine, there's some really cool things you could do. Because think about the fact that I go with this, this magic band and I can sit there and be programming while I'm walking along. I can see if there's maybe a fast pass available for Buzz Lightyear um, while I'm over in uh, Frontierland. And, you know, if that's available, then I can get it and you come back at a special, a specific time and be able to ride the attraction. And that's kind of cool. And it actually kind of enhances on the fast pass experience as long as it's available for everyone, even a day guest. So that's kind of my question about it as, as far as that goes. But I think technologically, I think they've taken a huge leap forward and I'm kind of impressed. And I, I think it's actually pretty cool. And I really look forward to seeing um, more things that, that are going to come of it. Now, a couple other things that I've, uh, I've noticed. The, uh, you may have heard in that article that the FastPass Plus um, now includes dining in some shows, like Illuminations and some of the fireworks and some attractions. You know, that's great, but I wonder, you know, how much space they're going to take up and, you know, whether that's going to be, like, specific space or whether people can just walk up and see Illuminations from somewhere. I mean, I know you can see it from anywhere on World Showcase or around um, the Future World area there uh, that's near the lagoon, but, I, you know, I just wonder how much space they're going to take up with, you know, reserve seating and that kind of a thing. Now, something else that uh, that Disney did is they rewrote their entire website, the entire Disney.com website, including DisneyWorld.com and Disneyland.com, to no longer use Flash, which is a huge thing if you're an iPad or an iPhone user because they don't use Flash. So it was really cool to see that. Plus, of course, I think Flash is overused and misused quite often, so I'm glad to see that uh, there's some changes being made to that. So the site is more of a website and less of a brochure, and I think that's a, a pretty cool thing. Now, there are some, some other potentially cool things. I know that uh, with the talking Mickey Mouse that they introduced uh, last year, if you had the ability to walk in with your RFID on and it could identify you by name, um, so the system would know who you were, and then Mickey could inter- introduce himself and talk to you by name, that would be pretty cool. You know, that would, that would be a, a sort of a game changer in its own right, where you would actually have this immersive experience where you're interacting with Mickey and Mickey maybe knows it's your birthday. Um, those types of things. I think that's pretty cool. I know that over at It's a Small World, they were making some changes over there to read the RFID tags. It's one of the first places they were using it. And the, it reads the RFID tags, and uh, the plan is to be able to uh, have the characters talk to you as you're going through and say goodbye to you by name. And that's kind of cool, too. I mean, you know, technologically, I think that's really pretty neat. So we'll see if that actually how that actually plays out. That could be a cool thing that actually comes out of this. And there is one other thing I wanted to throw out there related to this, and that's thinking about some of the cues and how some things have changed. So over the years, it used to be you would get in line and you'd just be standing in line and you'd be kind of working your way up to the front of the line. You'd slog along for 40 minutes and you'd finally get to the, to the ride. And the attraction would last four or five minutes and, hey, that's great. You had a good time. And maybe you'd had some fun while you were in line. They introduced FastPass, and that sort of changed the mix a little bit, so you didn't have to wait in line necessarily if you didn't want to. And that's a kind of a cool thing. Then they turned it around, turned the whole paradigm on its ear, and started making interactive cues, things to do while you're waiting in line that were kind of fun, that if you got the FastPass, you missed out on. 
Hmm. So the, the paradigm has shifted to a large degree. So if the um, RFID were to interact with somehow some of these interactive pieces in the queue so that now you would have even a more personalized experience with these fun things in the queue, I can only imagine that it might actually be better to wait in the queue because the experience of the queue could become part of the whole ride experience as part of the show. And there's something really cool to be said for that as well. And I think there's a lot of upside and potential if that works out. So, you know, it might change my mind about the whole FastPass Plus and not making it available to the day guest and that sort of a thing that might make my opinion change about it a little bit just because the nature of the attraction itself changed in some way. So I think there's some very positive things that could come of this. And I will take a wait-and-see attitude as long as they keep the service level, you know, kind of the same for everybody and I can still have a good time and they up the ante and, you know, I get, to, I get the good experience, I can enjoy it. Now, along the same lines, I did want to point out a couple of other changes that Disney made that were kind of subtle. The first is that they did away with the no expiration option on tickets. Now, for those of us who are regular visitors, you may know that one of the things you could do is purchase a 10-day ticket and get the no expiration option. And it works out to be the per day price is better than any other price you can get on tickets. So you spend a little bit more money up front, but you get to save on the per day price because uh, the 10-day ticket is like, I want to say it's about $520 with no expiration or was last year. And so you would, you would be able to buy it and be able to use the days as you needed them. So I might go up this time and use one or two days. The next time I might use two days and that would last me for four or five trips. And it's a great opportunity to kind of use that and, and be able to uh, manage your budget a little bit because you're spending a little more up front, but overall the, the cost per day is lower. Well, they're not going to offer that no expiration option anymore. Um, you'll just have to buy the tickets and use them in the time period that's allotted. So there's goods and bads with that, right? You know, for Florida residents, they still offer certain ticket prices at certain times of year. You can still buy the annual pass, though the price went up a little bit and some of the benefits went down. And you can still buy the seasonal pass. So there's still some good for Florida residents. But for people coming from out of town, they're trying to push the package a little bit more. Buy the whole package with us. Buy the theme park tickets and the length of stay ticket and the dining plan and the hotel room and get a special price. And it's better than the a la carte price. I get it. The other part is that Disney is going to start offering premium pricing for most of its tickets and its um, special events and the other things that it's going to be doing. So there'll be different pricing depending on how busy the parks may get at that time of year. So if you go during the summer or during the holiday season, you may spend more than you would spend if you went at other times. Hey, goods and bads again, right? It's a, you know, I, I credit Disney because it kind of keeps the park levels at a certain, at a certain point without really uh, taking away anybody's experience. And again, if you buy the package, you get a better deal overall, so it's not a bad thing. But it's just something you have to think about a little differently. You have to consider what, uh, what's going to happen, you know, and if anything's going to be different and how that's all going to work out for you. Now, um, the, uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about that I hadn't talked about was the limited time magic. And they've done a couple of the limited time magic uh, events so far. Here we are in February. And they've done, uh, you know, six weeks of them so far. And it's actually only, I think, four different things because they had a couple that spanned a couple of weeks. And none of them are all that special. Um, you know, bringing out some of the characters that they bring out occasionally anyway, that's kind of nice. Continuing on the, the idea of New Year's Eve, okay. You know, and then doing a special, um, you know, romance type thing for uh you know for the valentine's day okay i get it but it just doesn't all add up for me it just doesn't you know it feels like it's not all there it feels like there's something missing like they're 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 still trying to figure out what that is and i have a suspicion in the back of my mind that that's probably going to peter out sometime during the year and they'll just you know come up with something limited time magic that's hey for the next six weeks we're going to offer this 
you know, our limited time magic is that uh, Epcot's doing the uh, Food and Wine Festival. Okay. You know, I don't know that that's what they're going to do, but it certainly seems like it's heading that way um, because none of them are really all that interesting or special. And like I think I had mentioned before, um, it's hard to know if you're if you're a guest who comes in uh, from out of town, you, you're not planning for any of that. If you're a local guest, it brings you in perhaps, um, but, you know, there are other things that bring you in as well. So I'm just not sure what, what all of that means. So is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. That's for each of us to decide. And I will take a wait-and-see approach and want to see what Disney comes up with uh, in terms of their plans for the future. But that's all I've got for this week. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA. Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show. You can find links to other great Disney podcasts, as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney Buzz on DisneyPodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a Hidden Mickeys app for finding and sharing Hidden Mickeys at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safely. Show number 128.